Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over, and you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. People are fired up after an absolutely monster Winnipeg Blue Bombers win in CFL Week 5. Welcome inside Bonfire Sports. It's game day after dark. My name is Darren Bombing. To my virtual right, this is Mike Still. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks so much, DB, for having me on, man. I really appreciate the chance to talk a little Bombers football with you. Yeah, well, you're somebody I love talking football with. For for those out there that aren't familiar with Mike Still, like this guy's unofficial nickname is Mr. Football in Manitoba. Mike, you do phenomenal work uh, at the amateur level with high school, university, junior football. You're involved with the Bisons and the Rifles and uh, the Winnipeg High School Football League and, and everything around football in Winnipeg and Manitoba. I'm excited to break down this game with you what a game it was. The Blue Bombers came into this one underdogs and really from the opening kickoff all the way through, they came out guns a-blazing, foot kept pedal to the metal. There were some, you know, blown plays on defense, some big explosion plays the BC Lions were able to uh, pull off, but Winnipeg flexed their, you know, championship muscle uh, on, you know, as a back-to-back champion, 43 43- 22 a decisive victory winnipeg moves to five and oh bc falls to three and one and we're already looking towards next friday night at ig field here in winnipeg with the undefeated calgary stampeders coming off a shellacking they laid to the edmonton elks uh last night um another heavyweight bout in a western showdown next week but man this game really had a little bit of everything didn't it mike yeah, it absolutely did. The Bombers kind of dictated this game right from the start with the Janarian Grant touchdown. Special teams, offense, and defense, uh, you know, a huge statement win in a, a battle of two undefeated teams and really staked their claim. And uh, DB, kind of going into this, a lot of the talk was from Marcus Sales and his comment about uh, the offense of the Blue Bombers caught yeah. a little bit vanilla. The receivers aren't the same. Uh, they've been skating a little bit by a few points. And uh they came to play, no doubt about it. Uh, I just want to shout out Buck Pierce. I know he's gotten some criticism from people around the, you know, whether it be the media or fans or or whoever about, you know, maybe the play calling, but absolutely spectacular job from him uh, establishing the run in the first quarter. Uh, Bombers was seventy eight yards only, uh, seventy eight yards rushing uh, per game coming in, eighty six in the first quarter alone. So uh, absolutely spectacular stuff. So uh, that's kind of where where I wanted to start was just with the play calling and the game plan from the first quarter on by Buck Pierce. 
Yeah, he, he really did uh, a great job in, in turning things around as far as what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense has been able to do uh, over the first four games of the season. Yeah, like when Marcus Sales called it vanilla and then, you know, Dalton Schoen was asked about it after the game on, on the CGOB broadcast. Uh, and he mentioned how when they got off the plane, they heard those comments from Marcus Sales, who has a lot of friends on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, right? Like he was a member of this team for a long time, you know, before going to the NFL and then signing a three-year deal with the BC Lions a couple years ago. But Dalton Schoen was clear that added motivation. It added fire to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense. I thought the offensive line came out and played their most physical game of the season. And I think one of the things fans out there were most impressed with Mike was Johnny Augustine. He wasn't just the game's leading rusher or pardon me. Um, well, he was, yes, he was the game's leading rusher, but he wasn't just Winnipeg's um, leading rusher. He was also the most utilized tailback. And that's a first this season. You could probably say it's a first ever here with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 12 carries for 57 yards. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry. No knock on Brady Oliveira. He averaged 5.6. So it seems like whoever is the number two running back in Winnipeg gets the higher yards per carry average. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of just a quirk. And I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but, you know, mix in Oliveira, mix in Greg McRae. He was involved in the receiving game and the run game. Drew Brown came in and picked up first downs when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers needed them. Uh, something that really stood out to me, Mike, was second down conversion rate. The Blue Bombers were 60% on second down. That led to 25 first downs to BC's 12. When you double up the other team in first downs, shows why they doubled them up uh, on the scoreboard as well. And then the other area where it was nearly two to one was time of possession. 39 minutes for the Blue Bombers, 21 minutes for the BC Lions. That, of course, you know, uh, drawn up because the BC Lions scored twice on two play drives, like just a couple deep shots off the arm of Nathan Rourke to keep BC in the game. Uh, I guess you could say in the game. What did the, you know, what did it make the score when they started scoring? You know, Josh Pearson, 70 yards, made it 24-7. Dominique Rimes, 24-14. But that's about as close as BC got. Winnipeg's offense really kind of told the tale of, um, you know, I, I would say the, the the most marquee matchup in the CFL so far this season. Most definitely. You talk about Johnny Augustine and, and 49 of those yards on six carries came in that first quarter. And that second drive where the Bombers scored, the first five plays of that drive for, were run plays. It's abundantly clear that the goal was to establish the run there, uh, bringing in an extra lineman, bringing in Lee and Dobson on those heavy sets a lot of the time where they were getting heavy yardage. Uh, that yeah. establishes the run and then sets up the play action. And then with Zach Kolaris, when he set up the play action, you get him moving around. It's, it's hard to stop him, you know, to begin with. But then, you know, he showed all game, you know, what he can do when he's outside of the pocket and just uh, his escapability and things like that. So, I mean, that was definitely a huge factor in, in the overall result of the game for sure. Um, and I think overall, when you know, when you're looking at uh, that run game as well, you talk about the offensive line. There's just a couple of things that stood out to me. One of them was on the very first drive, first couple of plays where the Bombers were having success. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, he just goes like this. He goes, feed him, like feed him, you know. And you yep. could tell that offensive line, they were hungry. They wanted to show today, like, 
that that they they they're you know there's still the, this offensive line this elite unit that uh, they have been over the last number of seasons you know from root to those back to back Grey Cups and another kind of point that stood out to me about that offensive line was Michael Shea's trust in that group uh, you know that veteran group uh, you know he was asked about it uh, he was brought up on on the on the broadcast Suits was talking about how he asked of Shea and he literally said they'll handle it. You know, it's a veteran group and, you know, they're, they're composed. They, you know, they've been there, done that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, they did that again and they weren't worried about it. It's, it's a team that blocks out the noise, obviously. And, you know, that definitely was the case here. And it was definitely a statement in terms of, you know, the way they were able to, to essentially run the ball specifically in the first quarter, in the first half at will. You're talking about conversion rate, 70% conversion rate on second down in the first half. And just the way they were doing it, too, it wasn't just on, you know, second and two, second and three. Granted, there were a lot of those, but also second and eight, second and nine, and, and just making plays all over the field on second down. So shout out to that offense for a, a tremendous performance today. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Mike, when you said uh, this was a statement game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Some people out there in the live chat, and like, thanks to everybody uh, who's out there in the live chat, watching live on Facebook and YouTube. If you're watching live on Twitter right now, Click the link in some of my tweets, uh, or, or if you're, you're seeing it in Mike's, uh, youtube.com slash bonfire sports, uh, then you can get involved in the live chat and, uh, well, we can pull your comments up, uh, you know, kind of just like this, uh, favorite part of the game, uh, according to Sandy was, uh, Grant's, uh, run back touchdown. Like the way that set the tone early in the game, uh, was really, really something. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to follow that up with weak play. It, it seems to kind of energize and invigorate and fire everybody up. Uh, I think Winnipeg has been waiting for that big special teams play this season. It hasn't happened yet. It happened on the first snap of the first play uh, of the most important game so far this season. And Janarian Grant will get all the love. He had a couple of very good returns tonight. In addition to that uh, 97 yard opening kickoff touchdown that, uh, Got somebody free groceries for a year, by the way. Uh, not a bad prize these days uh, with food prices. But um, not only was it Janarian Grant, but I saw Mike Miller, the man I call the killer. He is the real deal. Uh, you know, he is legit. I, I don't care how old he is. I don't care how many special teams tackles he has. He leads the CFL all time. Future Hall of Famer. But the block he laid on just taking a guy down that was right in Janarian Grant's uh, lane as he cut upfield and cut to the outside, that was the key block to spring Janarian Grant for that 97-yard touchdown. The next play, Legio kicks off. Mike Miller makes the tackle on the BC Lions returner. Bang, bang. Just like that, Mike Miller made his presence known. The guy doesn't practice too often because he's trying to take care of his body. But when the lights are on and the game is going, Mike Miller is an absolute killer. Probably my favorite player on this team to watch. DB, I knew, I knew you were going to bring up Mike Miller. Um, Have you know, to. You, you shout him out all the time, and it's it's for obvious reasons. And if there's any young fans watching this stream, uh, one thing that I urge you if you're a young football player is just get involved in all special teams units because especially if you're trying to make it to the league, that's a way that you can get onto a roster right away is on the special teams units. Talk to anybody about it. Talk to Samson Abbott, who was drafted by the Ottawa Red Blacks and immediately made a difference on special teams. Talk to Brock Gowanlock. These are just recent examples of Manitoba Bison's players that have been drafted and made a difference right away on special teams. Uh, you know, 
know, it happens all the time. Heck, Nick Hallett, look at him out there. He's a young player that's yeah. doing the same thing, making a difference on special teams and opportunity to kind of, you know, get your feet wet in the league and, and, and make plays there. And again, that's what Mike Miller has been doing his entire career. So, uh, you know, it's always exciting to see that. And Matt, it's, it's, it's not even just the way that, you know, he blocks. It's, it's the, fero- like the ferociousness. It's the way that he does it that really stands out. You know, he, he, like you said, DB, puts his body on the line. You know, he does whatever it takes to win. And he's such a humble guy too. So, uh, you know, anytime you can shout out the killer, you know, it's, uh, you know, well-deserved. So absolutely great job. And just on Janarian Grant too, quickly, uh, yep. you know, since, since he's been with this team, uh, you know, midway through 2019, he's quietly had an unbelievable career for the Blue Bombers. I mean, there are a lot of question marks about when Lucky Whitehead, you know, left. It was like, hey, well, who's going to replace Lucky Whitehead? What's going to happen here? All this stuff, um, you know, and, and, you know, multiple other things. And Janarian Grant has just come in and just been absolutely unbelievable for this team. He was absolutely unbelievable in the playoff run as well for yep. the Blue Bombers uh, most recently. Uh, he's one of my favorite players on the field to watch. You know, he's just a guy that can change games like he did. And, and right away, it sets the tone and it sets the tempo, and it definitely did just that. And shout out to the kick returners in this league and the special teams units in the CFL this year. That was the fifth kick return touchdown already in 2022. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a big storyline uh, so far yes, uh, early on in the season for sure. Yeah, like when the Montreal Alouettes are willing to move on from Mario Alford, it says a lot about just the the impact plays guys are making this year when you're seeing multiple kicks go back for touchdowns. That's what I love about the CFL. Like the, the detractors of this league, I'll just go on this quick tangent out there. It bothers me because the detractors of Canadian football, I love college football. I love university football and junior football. I love the CFL. I love the NFL. I can't get enough guilty uh but the detractors of this league say it's three downs and the field is so big and like all they're doing is punting because you know it's three down they only got two downs to go watch the special teams those plays are unbelievable not just the returns but like like mike miller like tanner cadwallader like nick uh hallett these guys make huge plays on special teams Watch them closely. Watch how fast they are going downfield and blowing guys up. Mike Miller has told me this to my face. If you want to be a good special teamer in pro football, you got to kind of have a screw loose. Something has to be wrong upstairs. And I say that, you know, a little bit jokingly, and he does too, but that's a reality. You got to go down there like an absolute missile and make something happen. It's one of the best parts of football. For my dollar, uh, I wish more people would watch closely and appreciate the special teams for what it is. And here in Winnipeg, we're treated to one of the most respected and um, effective special teams groups from coaching to players to execution on the field that we've seen in the CFL in a long, long time. Shout out to all those special teamers out there. You guys get the job done. And well, that was one of the three phases that worked for the Blue Bombers in their 43-22 victory tonight. For sure. If I could just add one more thing quickly on special teams before we move on. Uh, Long snapping as well. I know that obviously you were talking about Mike Miller and returning, but uh, again, if I could give another quick message to all those young football players out there, look at Mike Benson, uh, Zach Greenberg. More you can do. More you can do. Uh, You know, if you can long snap, there aren't that many long snappers, specifically Canadian long snappers out there. So if a guy goes down, you're one quick call away. Again, Zach Greenberg's been called multiple times. Mike Benson has made a career out of it. And again, like, you know, getting down there, making tackles, making plays, uh, you know, super important in terms of that. So, um, you know, if you want to create longevity, learn how to long snap too. That's another opportunity to uh, find more 
find more time for yourself on the football field and also create opportunities for yourself as a pro. So uh, just shout gotta out. Got to mention. Yeah. yeah Mike, got to mention Mike Benson, because not only is he a longtime pro uh, and a Grey cup winner, but also a Winnipegger, former Winnipeg rifle, shout out uh, the rifle up. Uh, new un- <laughs> new uniform uh, reveal coming up soon. So uh, keep it locked to riflesfootball.com uh, and the social channels. Really nice new look. For everybody out there that's not familiar with the Winnipeg Rifles Junior Football Team, affiliated directly with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Kyle Walters, uh, Mike, uh, or pardon me, Wade Miller, um, all of those guys, big supporters and direct uh, support of the Winnipeg Rifles. So their new uniforms, of course, blue and gold and a little bit of white and a little bit of black. It's, it's a good look out there. And Mike, uh, a lot of people asking, well, who is this guest over <laughs> on the left side of the screen? Well, this is Mike Still, Mr. Football in Manitoba, a very educated football mind. And uh, Mike, I've been excited uh, and looking forward to having you on uh, game day after dark here on Bonfire Sports. Uh, some people are mentioning that that maybe your microphone is a little bit crackly. Uh, I don't think it's too big of a deal, but if you can play around with it a little bit, maybe we'll, we'll get that straightened out. But uh, not too bad right now. I think Blue Bomber fans are feeling pretty good after a 43-22 win over a team. Like, coming into this game, BC was a pretty heavy favorite. Like, generally, you get three points because you're the home team. Well, they were four and a half, five-point favorites. That number did come down because I think the line started to see, okay, you know, a lot of people are betting on Winnipeg and, and bringing that number down, or betting on BC and bringing that number down. Well, those people had a rude awakening right from the opening whistle tonight. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers played complete football from start to finish. Maybe we should talk about the defense. Uh, you know, one of the questions I want to ask, and I'll pull it up on the screen here uh, right now, is is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' deep pass defense their Achilles heel? Those explosion plays were killers tonight. Um, Javon Katoy, 31 yards. Uh, uh, James Butler had a 19-yard uh, explosion play. Uh, Pearson, uh, well, pardon me, I'm getting that wrong. One second. Javon Katoy had a 20-yard explosion play. Uh, Pearson had that 66-yard touchdown. Rhymes had a 37-yard touchdown. He led all receivers tonight with six catches on eight targets for 136 yards. And a lot of those came against all-star Winston Rose. What did you see from the Blue Bombers' new field side corner? Is Demario Houston has now taken the boundary and the hot corner, that, that top matchup spot? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a couple of those just come down to play calls. You got single coverage, um, you know, blitz calls from Richie Hall. Um, and sometimes just a player makes a play at the end of the day. And especially on a couple of those touchdowns too, like Nate, uh, and it was mentioned on the broadcast, and I would like to echo this is what I was thinking as well. Nathan Rourke does just a spectacular job of putting air on the football. He's not kind of throwing laser passes into the end zone. He's giving his receivers the opportunity to adjust to the ball see where it is, and then high point it and make the play. And again, uh, I played defensive back. So as a DB, you're looking for the movement of the receiver. You're looking for them to kind of adjust and turn to the football. That's when you're turning to the football and you're trying to time it properly to, to break it up. Um, but when, you know, when the ball is thrown like it is by Rourke, it just gives his receivers more time to adjust. 
And I think that that was the case on a couple of those. Um, I mean, Winston Rose did get beat, you know, on the one play. He did get beat deep there. It happens. And he's brought that up in the media too about you have to have a short memory in situations like that. I mean, you're not going to, you know, every single play is not going to be your best play. And especially as a DB, you know, you really, really have to have a short memory. And that's exactly what the Bombers, uh, you know, not only the secondary, but the defense as a whole, they had a short memory in this game. Uh, one play I would bring up in that regard was, uh, you know, after the, the second Janarian Grant kick return touchdown was called back uh, due to a penalty. Uh, and then the Bombers go on offense. Uh, big play by Ellingson, also called back due to penalty. Uh, BC gets the ball. They score on a, a long touchdown. But the Bombers didn't let that sink in, and they responded, you know, and, and it, it wasn't – it didn't end up being the turning point of the football game. And that's, again, a veteran team – just sort of going one play at a time, short memory. So that would kind of be my thoughts on that, and especially as a DB where you really have to have a short memory in those situations. No no question. And for Winston Rose, he's had some bad games. He's had one good game for sure. Um, that was last week uh, against Toronto. Um, but Tao Zen, who's watching live on YouTube, says he expects Bo Levi Mitchell to test Winston Rose often. We're already looking towards that game uh, on Friday night here in Winnipeg at IG Field, um, Mike. But that all said, you're right. That short memory is important. Uh, the Blue Bombers defense always preaches the same thing. The yards happen. They're more, con- they don't want to allow yards. They say that, of course, but they're less concerned with yards than they are points. Now, the BC Lions did make two big strikes in this game uh, to score 14 points really, really quickly. And, you know, we mentioned them, a two-play 70-yard drive, Josh Pearson, young Canadian receiver, uh, who's clearly coming into his own, 66-yard catch and run uh, to put them on the board. And then Dominique Grimes caps a two-play 53-yard drive with a 36-yard touchdown grab. Uh, But really from there, it was more Legio, more Dalton Schoen. We got to talk about Schoen a lot more Uh, tonight as well as we mentioned some of these receivers Mike 10 targets was the most targeted receiver in the game tonight eight catches 117 yards averaged nearly 15 yards per catch which is a great number and two touchdowns five second down conversions 33 yards after the catch and had a long of 31 the guy was outstanding yes Zach Kolaris was falling down finding Dalton shown for a first down late in the first half. Yes. Zach Kolaris was escaping pressure and, uh, you know, throwing against his body and, and doing all these amazing things to extend plays and put a lot of pressure on the BC lions pass defense in having to cover for four and five seconds, which doesn't sound like long, but that's an eternity when it comes to covering receivers and Dalton shown found ways to get open, caught pretty much everything thrown his way. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to have Walby's Warrior, Westwood's Wide to the Right, and of course, our Happy Honker Award for Game Day After Dark um, in homage to our good friend Zach Schnitzer, who will be back next week. Um, but I'm thinking Dalton Schoen is probably going to come away with one of those. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a no-brainer. He was absolutely spectacular yeah. tonight. And uh, Dalton Schoen, as well as uh, Greg McRae, I mean, they were both walk-ons at the NCAA level, UCF and Kansas State. Uh, shown at Kansas State and then McCray at UCF. And I think when you you have that type of an attitude, when you're a walk-on player, I mean, you just have this instinct naturally that you have to work harder than everybody else. Uh, That was something that was talked about with McCray. It was talked about a lot, and it's been talked about in the media too with 
with Sean and just the work ethic. You know, you come in and you're just absorbing everything. And I mean, he stood out right away. It was talked about on the on the post game show with uh, Derek Taylor there, where you know he uh, Sean stood out right away in minicamp, and he just kept on rolling. And the longer the season goes along, the more uh, of a relationship he's able to develop with uh, with Kolaros. I mean, I think that that connection is only going to get stronger and stronger. What stands out to me about Sean, and, and actually, I would. I would talk about Shonen Allenson in this regard and it happened a few times tonight. It's their route running. It's the way that they're able to kind of keep the, the, the DBs at least pot, like pausing for a second with the, you know, whether it's a rub route or, or whatever it is they're doing. Um, you know, all you need is a split second as a receiver to kind of get that little bit of, of room, uh, you know, when the DBs in coverage there and, and both of them did a great job of that. And Shonen's route running spectacular. He's got absolutely tremendous hands as well. And um, yeah, I mean, he's really stood out with his work ethic for sure. And, and that's, again, that's something that you know, has carried with him his entire career. Yeah. Like Michael Shea talked about it coming out of training camp. Like, okay, well, like Dalton shows a rookie and, and, you know, he wins a, a starting job on offense. Well, what did he do? They said he just showed up in shape is a rookie to pro football. Like, and was a walk on in college, which is crazy. But despite that shows up, acting like a professional as a rookie in the CFL put in the work studied hard supported his teammates and then when it came to his time to take reps and and get it done on the field he performed he caught everything he ran crisp routes he didn't make mental errors he was assignment sharp and then the coaches are like well hey you know we got some veterans here that could win this job you know what let's go with this guy He's been a pro. If that's how you show up to camp, that's how you leave a first impression in that first day, first week, first three weeks uh, of being with a football team and the the coaches take notice and, and they have your trust that quickly. That's the floor. What's the ceiling? What's the ceiling for Dalton Schoen? That's what I'm curious about. Just getting a texture on the hotline. 816 tips, 816-8477. Give us a call, leave a voicemail, text, uh, and uh, you'll be involved uh, in the chat as well. Um, saying, Donka Schoen. Now, Schoen, of course, a German name. Donka Shane, meaning thank you very much. Uh, you know, uh, Schoen up and Schoen out and uh, Schoen who's boss. Uh, all, you know, uh, uh, some quips that uh, fans are enjoying saying um, with him. Greg Ellingson, of course, though, Mike, is another receiver on the opposite end of uh, being a rookie and a first-year guy with a first impression, long-standing impression in multiple 1,000-yard seasons with Greg Ellingson. The Blue Bombers have targeted this guy in free agency the last number of years. They were able to secure him this year, and we're seeing now why. The connection he has with former teammate Zach Kolaris, time together with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This guy is probably the blue bombers most explosive receiver i think it's he's definitely the blue bombers most explosive receiver throughout the year seven catches on seven targets caught everything 98 yards 14 yards per catch and a touchdown two second down conversions it was shown it was ellingson those two were were really dynamite all night and zach Kolaris likes throwing to 83 he likes throwing to number two greg ellingson as well yeah, definitely. And you mentioned it, DB, the fact that they had a previous connection with Hamilton. I mean, that was all the talk when Allenson came in is, is the fact that they, they knew each other already. And that's so huge for a quarterback and a receiver. Um, and, and that goes well beyond just game day stuff. Uh, I was watching on the NFL Network a few days ago, just uh, a doc uh, that was done on uh, Wes Welker. 
And one of the things that they talked about in that doc a lot was how him, he and Tom Brady were always doing extra film study all the time outside of practice uh, and really just talking about tendencies and really developing those relationships. And you got to think that Greg Allenson and Zach Kolaris or guys like that where, you know, when it's outside of practice, those types of things, they're talking about, you know, uh, what's going to work against certain teams. And they're continuing to develop chemistry and continuing to work on that, something that they developed already in Hamilton. And on, uh, to add to that, too, I mean, Greg Allenson is just a character guy. He's just a positive dude. Um, you yeah. know, it's, it's a contagious personality that he has. He's just coming and he's fit in with the Bombers team and their offense and their identity so well. And that was one of the major storylines coming into this season was uh, how are the Bombers going to replace Darvin Adams? How are the Bombers going to replace Kenny Lawler? Um, yeah. You know, they had some guys and there Rasheed Bailey, possession receiver, things like that. Uh, but, you know, absolutely, Allenson and Schoen have really stepped up for this team and really kind of made sure that uh, Kolaros has multiple options out there with that offense. Uh, and then on top of that, too, Nick Dembski, when he went down on, this, on the sixth game, um, you know, that was a huge point of conversation yeah. for fans, for everybody. Uh, who That's is going to step hit. up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's you can't at the end of the day, like you can't replace Nick Dembski because he does so many things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Um, you know, you, ha you have to always be aware of where he is. He does so many things where he's motioning, whether it's fly sweeps, all these other things, or he, he might ne not necessarily be the target on a certain play, but you absolutely have to account for that. And, you know, it takes a, a DB or it takes another player on that defense out and leaves somebody else open to make plays. Um, but, you know, uh, on top of Ellingson and Sean doing their thing, Greg McRae stepped in and done such a great job of filling in today in terms of kind of managing that role. Buck Pierce talked about how he really liked, uh, you know, what McRae brought to the table. And I mean, his numbers at UCF were just spectacular. Fourth uh, in program history uh, in career rushing yards, uh, 29 career rushing touchdowns, fourth all time, too. So. He didn't have the same numbers, obviously, receiving-wise that the other two had. And obviously, he's listed as a running back. But, you know, he also caught some passes in this game. Uh, did a great job overall. He had 59 all-purpose yards. So uh, that offense and kind of being able to fill in for Nick Dembski, fill in for some of those guys that uh, were lost in free agency, um, you know, uh, concerns going in were, were certainly answered, at least for this week, uh, by the Bombers' offense. Yeah, absolutely. I love the way they're, as you mentioned, using Greg McRae in kind of that Nick Dembski hybrid role, right? I think when, um, you know, offensive coordinator Buck Pierce has a system, you got to fill those different roles, right? And, you know, some people asking about uh, uh, Rashid Bailey and if, you know, we're seeing enough from him. Uh, well, right now it's Greg Ellingson, it's Dalton Schoen, it's the run game. That's kind of the three points of power in this Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense. I have no doubt Rashid Bailey is going to eat when he gets the opportunity to eat, right? And for those out there unfamiliar with those colloquial terms, uh, you feed the beast. Guys eat means they put up yards. They make catches. They're, they're getting in, um, you know, their production uh, when it comes to just, you know, numbers and, and the rest. He will eat when he gets the opportunity to eat. He hasn't been targeted a lot this year. Uh, had one catch on three targets today. Grabbed that one for 17 yards. Uh, had a couple close to the sideline, if I'm not mistaken, Mike. Um, but Rashid Bailey is a superb possession receiver. He has a new role in 2022, moving out to the X, which is where Kenny Lawler majority played uh, last season, where uh, Darvin Adams played when Kenny Lawler was not there. Uh, it's that number one uh, receiver spot on the short side of the field. 
you remove both of those guys and give Rashid Bailey a, a different uh, task. I think that challenge comes with a little bit of a growth curve. Um, you know, I think they have confidence in Rashid Bailey with the progression he has made in his short CFL career to be able to do that job effectively. It's not going to be like that overnight. He's a, you know, uh, an explosive X receiver in the CFL. I think it will take time. You lose Nick Dembski, uh, you, you lose some other guys. Uh, suddenly everybody's kind of scrambling to fill in roles and, and the rest. The run game had not been good until this week. Augustine, 57 yards. Oliveira, uh, 39 yards. Greg McRae, 27 yards. Uh, suddenly the Blue Bombers offense looks different. I think Rashid Bailey and that number one receiver spot that he has, that will come into play as the season goes on. Look at the quarterbacking Zach Kolaris is doing. Look what he did tonight in BC against a ridiculously talented defensive secondary with Purifoy and Lee and Sales and Peters and Delvin Bro. Like those guys are all all stars. They're all all star caliber players. And he made things happen. That will eventually bleed down to Rashid Bailey. I shouldn't say bleed down to, uh, it, it will eventually pass on to Rashid Bailey. His, his day will come. I have no doubt. He's a good football player. Absolutely. And like you said, uh, you know, when you have a quarterback like Zach Kolaris doing what he does, you know, spreading the ball around the way that he does, you know, other players are going to make plays when they need to. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's inevitable at the end of the day. And Rashid Bailey has shown that he can make plays (laughs) for the Bombers. He's done it in years past. And like you said, I mean, he is in a new role this year. He is coming in as that number one guy, but I think it extends beyond just what happens on the field DB. I think it's the leadership and the stuff that not everybody sees necessarily uh, from day to day. It's the leadership in the locker room. It's the things that help bring a team together because obviously on game day, you got to make, you know, you want to make plays for your team, but it's really, really important that you have that trust in, in your brothers beside you and to be okay with, you know, you know, if I'm not the guy, if I'm not making plays, you know, I'm still supporting my teammates. I'm still a vocal leader in the locker room. And that's a role that Rashid Bailey you know, has increased this year because of those those losses. And uh, speaking of the rifles, there's a couple of guys that were involved in preseason games uh, with the team suiting up. Yep. Luke McMillan was one of them, Spidey. And uh, he talked about Rashid Bailey. He talked about the leadership that he has in the locker room. Yeah. So he's firsthand seen it, um, you know, and that's something that extends, like I said, well beyond what happens on game day. It's the day-to-day things that help bring together a championship caliber team like the Blue Bombers. Yeah, I, th- I think that's so well said. Um, this is what strong football teams do. One week, it's A. Next week, it's B and C. The next week, it's D and a little bit of A. Like, it's all over the place. They have so many different directions they can go. Um, but I think, you know, maybe we'll get into it right now, Mike, because I'm kind of champing at the bit to do this. Um, Walby's Warrior tonight. Uh, I will go first, and I'll take the non-obvious one, okay? Because this is this really stood out to me. Um Everybody's talking about Johnny Augustine, Brady Oliveira, and the run game doing well. Everybody's talking about Dalton Schoen and Greg Ellingson and Greg McRae, and of course, talking about Zach Kolaris and the things he was able to do. But when plays are broken and Zach Kolaris is at his best and at his most dangerous, extending plays, making things happen, moving around and breaking the pocket and stepping up and rolling out and doing all those things, 
Why is he able to do that? He's able to do that because the Blue Bombers offensive line are not just doing their initial block. They are smart. They are aware. Their eyes are downfield and left and right. They're aware of where their quarterback is behind them, even though they may not know exactly where he is. It's kind of that intuition. The Blue Bombers offensive line was overlooked tonight by everything I read and heard um, during this game. I'm giving my Walby's warrior to all five of those guys, Stanley Bryant and Jamarcus Hardrick, uh, to Chris Kolonkowski in the middle, to Jeff Gray, to Liam Dobson, who came in on the jumbo packages, and to Pat Newfeld, the Wiley veteran. Those guys came to play tonight. They smacked the BC Lions in the mouth. They kept the defense on their heels all night. Is it run? Is it pass? Is it play action? That's my Walby warrior. I absolutely love that DB. Uh, great selection. And um, yeah, we talked about it with the, the jumbo packages and I, I thought it was awesome bringing in Liam Dobson and, you know, he's a guy we've talked about, um, you know, maybe off camera a little bit in terms of what his role is going to be on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, this is a group that, you know, has lost some important players, uh, Couture at center, uh, you know, Drew Desjardins uh, as well, you know, on opportunities in the NFL and questioning, okay, well, is this offensive line getting a little bit older? Can they still do the things that they've been able to do in the past? And, they can still do the things I think that they've done in the past. And again, I brought up Jamarcus Hardrick earlier, and he's a guy that's, you know, the last game the Bombers played, um, you know, against Toronto there, where, you know, he went down early and, you know, was getting kind of chomped at and uh, stayed in the game. It's, it's a tough group. Uh, and, you know, these guys showed it today and they showed it with how the run game was established. So I absolutely love that, uh, DB. My selection is going to be a little bit different. Uh, and okay. I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm ready for it, Mike, still. I'm ready for it. We got <laughs> So uh, I'm going to go with Donald Rutledge Jr. And I'm going to go with him just because of some important All plays right. he made in the second half for the Bombers. Um, you know, he gets the interception uh, on the overthrow there by Nathan Rourke. Comes back on the very next drive, gets the forced fumble, Bombers recovery. And the reason I'm bringing it up is he's one of many players that Richie Hall, you know, uses uh, advantageously. It drops back into a four deep zone as a linebacker, makes that play on the interception. Um, huge. And he's one of those guys, too, for the Bombers that, uh, you know, came into this season as not one of the bigger stars, unheralded on that defense when you think about Adam Big Hill and you think about Willie Jefferson, yeah. you think about Jackson Jeffcoat, uh, and some of those guys that uh, even Winston Rose, players that have been around a little bit longer, and uh, came in today and made plays really when it counted. Uh, and the Bombers now are plus 11 in the turnover ratio this season. Um, absolutely spectacular. They have eight interceptions this year. They've got three forced fumbles. They've got three fumble recoveries doing what they do. And so amongst a bunch of guys that sit out like uh, Jackson Jeffcoat with that interception uh, on the first drive for the Lions, again, an example of Richie Hall, um, the great play caller, Jeffcoat, looks like he's going to rush the passer, steps back into coverage and makes that play, whether it's Biggie dropping back into the three deep zone at linebacker. Uh, but I'm going with Rutledge Jr. for my uh, Walby's Warrior uh, just because of the important plays in the second half there and being one of those unheralded guys on defense. I, I love that pick. I think that's an excellent pick. Uh, we'll maybe give a uh, honorable mention to Janarian Grant. And uh, somebody in the live chat here, I think it was Van Isle Jets fan. Uh, I'll try to find it and, and pull it up here. But they called it. Um, you know, and they mentioned it on the broadcast too. Um Janarian Grant changed this game. And frankly, one of those Blue Bombers touchdown drives happened because they kicked away from Janarian Grant before the end of the second quarter. Uh, that was a, oh, where was it here? 
Was it right before the half? I'm not totally yeah, sure. It was, right, it was but, right before the half. Yeah. And then again, yeah. in the second half, they kicked away from him. So yeah, absolutely. Right. And and like, if, if the guy's not even touching the ball and he's affecting the game, that is a huge advantage to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because the BC Lions are doing what they don't want to do. They're adjusting and changing their game plan, right? Like those short kicks can cost teams like, yeah, you're avoiding a potential return touchdown or a potential big return, but you're also giving the Blue Bombers, giving your opponent uh, a real opportunity right out of the gate, like almost no matter what, right? So um, it says a lot. I think, um, you know, Janarian uh, uh, Grant definitely deserves a uh, um, uh, an honorable mention tonight as the words escape me. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Big shout out. <laughs> I, I, what's that? Most definitely, DB. And just like you said, yeah. um, I mean, field position, right? I mean, it's huge. Uh, you starting starting drives at the 50-yard line. I mean, you're only having to go half the field compared to what I mean, if you're on an average kick return and whatever your, your special team steps up, that that's massive at the end of the day. And especially if it's happening for the entire second half, if you're trying to avoid Janarian Grant. So huge, huge storyline. So most definitely, he definitely deserves a shout out for sure. Yeah, and, and to your Wallabies warrior, Booch27, who's watching live on YouTube, says Rutz is insanely good. Uh, he is getting pretty, pretty good. I remember his first game here in Winnipeg against Ottawa. He had a sack uh, in the first half. Might have even been the first quarter. Uh, now he has his first CFL interception. The guy is built like a brick you-know-what house. Uh, he is long and rangy and big he looks more like a traditional linebacker than the dime back that he is um you know they mentioned on the broadcast like oh richie hall you know sending linebackers back into coverage while he is a db i think even in a pinch he could play safety he could play half or corner uh but i think donald rutledge is is somebody um who's really starting to establish himself uh in canadian football uh Rutz is a good name for him. I know his Twitter handle is stuck in a rut. Uh, do like that uh, a lot. Um, Westwood's wide to the right, Mike Still, is uh, our segment we like to do here on Game Day After Dark. Uh, the thing that kind of irked you a little bit, the thing that bothers you, the thing that you didn't like, the thing that pissed you off. Is there anything that happened in tonight's game that enters that realm? For you? That's, a good, that's a good question, DB. Um, and I... I think the thing that probably pissed me off, and I think it was, I think it was the storyline coming into this game, and I hate to say this, it was just, yep. the, it was the, the, and I understand it. I, I understand the criticism of of the Bombers' offense and the fact that you know people were saying Buck Pierce's offense is predictable, and you know looks the same as last yep. season, and defenses are starting to figure it out, and you know they're, you know, as Marcus Sale said, it's vanilla. Um, and, and that kind of irked me a little bit because at the end of the day, uh, you know, this is a professional football league and, you know, coordinator's job is to, is to make those adjustments. And Buck showed today that, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that the wheels are turning and that, uh, you know, whatever pieces you have, you know, it's about using them properly. And, and Greg McRae is a perfect example of that, of, of mm -hmm. being able to be a, a jack of all trades player. And again, being able to use that run game as effectively as the Bombers did and establish it. And I really do think bringing in the jumbo set, bringing in Liam Dobson as an extra lineman there, that really had an effect on this game. BC, um, their linebackers then had to, had to come up a little more on the rush It opened up the pass game. It kind of left them guessing uh, a little bit. There were some blitz calls here and there by, uh, by BC, but for the most part, you know, uh, you know, I think that you know the, the play calling by Buck Pierce was uh, was spectacular today. So I would just yeah. say, just the criticism of that uh, of that offensive playbook a little bit would be mine. 
I, I think that's pretty good. Uh, Westwood wide to the right. Uh, that, that criticism for sure. Uh, you know, Walby and I talk about this quite a bit, uh, early in seasons, you don't see teams show all of their cards, right? Uh, it very well could have been the first three chapters of the 25 chapters of the Blue Bombers offensive playbook. The first three chapters, that's going to be the first three or four games of the season. And things weren't working so working so well or looking so good in Toronto. They have a short week. They have a ton of travel. There, were, there was all those things kind of stacked against them. They're beat up. Jesse Briggs isn't there. Uh, Kyrie Wilson is on the sixth game uh, with an Achilles injury. Uh, obviously, Nick Dembski and Michael Couture on the offensive line, like still waiting for Brandon Alexander to come back. All of those things. Short week, three time zones of travel, one practice, actual practice in Winnipeg. But that doesn't mean that these guys need to learn chapters four, five, and six. They know them. They were called. We started to see it right from the first offensive drive of the Blue Bombers. Yes, they continue to run the football. They started using Johnny Augustine. Maybe BC wasn't expecting that because it seemed like they were really stubbornly sticking with Brady Oliveira. They both looked better today because they both got action. I think that helped them a lot. But when it comes to the play calling, chapters four, five, and six started to happen because we're entering a different uh, you know, a little bit later in the season. If you show everything right away, teams have that film on you, right? We talked about this, uh, you know, coming out of the, the two Ottawa games. You face the same team twice, weeks one and two. And if you do a whole bunch of different stuff and don't stick to kind of your baseline playbook in the first two weeks of the season, suddenly teams have great film on you where the same defense is playing your same offense and you're showing all these different looks, all these different formations, all these different types of plays or changes to your base offense. I don't think you want to do that. Winnipeg knew they had to come out swinging in a game against a team quarterbacked by Nathan Rourke and with the likes of Lucky Whitehead and Keon Hatcher coming up 176 yards uh, and James Butler, who is just a, an unbelievable tailback and one of the best in the CFL so far this season. They knew they needed to come out uh, swinging on offense and they did. So, uh, you know, uh, big kudos to Buck Pierce uh, for opening up, uh, you know, what I call chapters four, five, and six. Uh, but, you know, th they really had those things going. Did did this game go how you thought it would, Mike? Like you mentioned all of those criticisms and those sorts of things and the Lions being the favorites in this game. Did you think it was going to be a decisive victory one way or another? Did you think it was going to be a close game? I thought it was going to be a close game, but I did pick the Blue Bombers to win despite all of those things that were kind of stacked against them. I thought it was going to be a close game as well. Uh, I mean, and BC, they fought back at times, you know, to prevent it from being like a humongous blow, obviously at the end of the day. Uh, but I did think that it was going to be a little bit closer than, than what was shown specifically in the first quarter. And I think that just comes down to how efficient that BC Lions offense has been, like you mentioned, and especially how efficient they've been on second down. But again, uh, you know, this is a veteran bombers defense and Shout out to specifically Jackson Jeffcoat, Willie Jefferson. Uh, those two really set the tone uh, on the defensive line and were able to kind of yeah. put uh, uh, Nathan Rourke into positions where he you know, wasn't as comfortable. And that was something that Jackson Jeffcoat talked about in the lead up to this game. They said this, he said the plan was to disrupt Rourke, obviously. Get to him, make his day long, make sure that he has to run around, uh, make sure that he's not comfortable in the pocket. 
And they did that by great play calling once again. And the fact that the, those players, Jefferson, Jeffcoat, uh, Adam Bakehill, are able to use their natural instincts too. And, and that's something that uh, Nathan Rourke talked about in the game uh, as, as something that you can't plan for. Like you can look at tape and you can look at film. But when a defensive coordinator like Richie Hall, who's been involved in this game as a coach since 1994, as long as I've been born. you know, when It's crazy defense- when they mentioned that on the broadcast. I was like, wow, 1994. Like yeah, he was that, playing in the 80s, right? Holy unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Uh, and and again, you're going to you're going to learn some stuff being in the league that long and learn to adapt and improvise and, and really take advantage of the plays you have. But you, when you have veterans like that who know the game so well, their football IQ is so high, um, they can make those instinctual plays where even uh, Jefferson is being moved inside to defensive tackle or on the Jeffco interception where he's dropping back into coverage and, and recording that interception his first in two, first since 2017. Or Big Hill just in general where he's dropping into the deep third or he's doing things that you can't necessarily account for. Um, those things make a difference. So factoring that in, I think that would be my major reasons why reason why I thought the Bombers were going to come out on top is just the sense of you know the sense of instinct that that defense has, the leaders that they have on that defense, uh, being able to maintain their composure uh, in big moments, and and they certainly showed that. And uh, for Nathan Rourke, I mean, it wasn't a, a terrible. He had the the interceptions, obviously, and he's going to learn from that. He's a young quarterback. Uh, I mean, nonetheless, uh, you know, it was just a storyline for the Bombers was just how how great that defense played for sure. Love everybody in the live chat. The conversation is lit tonight. Uh, everybody watching live on Facebook and YouTube. If you're watching live on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash bonfire sports links in my Twitter feed uh, as well. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about Mark Leggio. Like he, you know, he, he missed a little bit today. Uh, looked good early, uh, hitting some long ones, uh, including one from 46, uh, but went three of five, 60%. And it has that, you know, that reminiscence of what we were talking about in the preseason and what we were talking about early in the season in those two Ottawa games, Mike. Um, how, you know, a young kicker like this, I I've, I've always just spoken to what I see. And that is a blue bombers team that remains confident in him, but that doesn't mean the fan base is confident in him or even in Ali Mortada, who's on the blue bombers practice roster. Um, are, you know, is it fair to be concerned if the blue bombers are still winning by 21 points and their kicker goes three for five? I think there's a microscope around the kicker uh, and the kicking game in general because of just the role that you have on the team, obviously. You know, what, I think sometimes there's a generalization of oh, oh, all you have to do is kick and you're, you're, you're not performing in the one area that you're supposed to be performing in. So, uh, I, I mean, I think that that's naturally going to come anytime you miss any kick, quite frankly, uh, you know, especially shorter field goals. I think that that's something that uh, you, know, you can hone in on. I, I think Leggio is a guy that uh, – you can be phased by that stuff, but I think he's came, he came into this season with a better attitude about it. And I think that, you know, he's kind of um, handled the bumps in the road like he did and with the struggles in the kicking game uh, last season and, and definitely coming with a better attitude about it. I reserve my comments on Legio, I think, a little bit until we get a little bit further into the season. That's and, fair. 
and we can yep. really kind of judge that a little bit more. Um, if he does struggle again, though, as we kind of go further in the year, I, I think he's on a short leash. At least that's just my perspective. I, I don't know if that's what the organization thinks or maybe they, they don't think that at all and they trust in him completely. But, uh, again, at the end of the day, your job is to is to kick field goals. Your job is to be the, the specialist on the team. And if you're not performing in that area, there's certainly others out there that can get that job done. And uh, that was shown uh, with Sergio Castillo last year, I mean, especially yeah. in the Great Cup. So so, um, you know, he was that, that's, unbelievable in the Grey Cup. Unbelievable in that win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, spectacular. So there's there's guys out there that can that can fill that role. So uh, for Legu, I think it's just block out the noise as much as possible. Try to do your job and just kind of because man, at Western, goodness gracious, when he was at Western, he he was one of the best best kickers. Uh, you know, not only for the program but you know overall in the league, he was such a clutch yeah. player for them. So I, you know, being a huge U Sports fan. You know, and seeing what he did there, the potential is there. You saw it for years and years and years when he was with Western. So, uh, you know, well, I, I, I'm rooting for him. Look at this comment right here from um, It's Your Boy Bruce. Nice handle, by the way, who's watching live on YouTube. It's Your Boy Bruce says, We were spoiled with money medlock. This is also, I think, why there was criticism in the run game. The Blue Bombers were spoiled. Blue Bombers Nation was spoiled with Andrew Harris. Blue Bombers Nation was spoiled with Justin Medlock. They were spoiled with Sergio Castillo. The like people need to understand the Grey Cup would not be Winnipeg's if it wasn't for Sergio Castillo. Not just late in the season, not just through the playoffs, in that game. Him and Winnipeg native Rifles alumni, Mike Benson and Sergio Castillo, that duo. Go check out the video, by the way, uh, on Bonfire Sports of, of their post-game interview I did with them. Hilarious, these two. Like, just became the best of friends immediately. But Sergio Castillo kicked, what, he went five for five or six for six in the Grey Cup? And the wind was howling, twisting, uh, and, and bending the ball's like crazy. And he was lights out. If it wasn't for Sergio Castillo, the Blue Bombers would not have forced overtime. They would not have won that game. They would have been beaten pretty handily by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So I think people need to realize how valuable Sergio Castillo was in that game and how spoiled we have been in Winnipeg with the likes of Castillo and Justin Medlock and Andrew Harris, you know, like I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely echo that. And and again, veterans, right? Veterans who have been in the league for a while and understand how to manage those highs and those lows. So I, I'd kind of give Legio some time in that regard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely echo those comments for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, there's like a comment here. Legs is fine. It's early. Not worried. And I, yeah, I, I would I would say that as well for sure. So this is an interesting comment from uh, Fritchie, who's uh, watching live on YouTube as well. Bombers hopefully have a Castillo-like guy in the wings, like waiting in the wings. They can, uh, you know, pay down the stretch if needed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the Blue Bombers have placed Dakota Prukup on the six-game injured list. He's a quarterback. He makes, you know, six figures. They've placed Nick Dembski on the six-game injured list. He makes six figures. They have placed Michael Couture on the six-game injured list. He makes six figures. They placed Jesse Briggs on the six-game injured list. He makes nearly six figures. You add all of that up, of course, 
needs to be the, you know, the entirety of the six games on that list. Add in Kyrie Wilson, right? I, I'm not sure if he'll play again this year. It will be a long, long time with an Achilles injury. And there has been some talk that he had surgery. So you add all of that up on the six game, that money does not count against the cap if that player spends the entirety of the six games on the injured list. You add all that money up, you collect it, you you pin it all together and you put it in the cookie jar in Kyle Walter's office right at the back of his desk overhead where nobody can see it, nobody can get to it. Suddenly it's September, it's October and there's guys from the NFL. Could be a linebacker, could be a DB, could be a receiver, could be a lineman, could be a kicker like it was last year. Winnipeg will have that capital to spend on adding uh, an impact piece. And if you're a free agent, Mike, you're a free agent and you want to come to the CFL and sign a contract, play the rest of the year, and then go, you know, take your NFL window again in December. What team do you want to join? You want to join the Alouettes? You can get to party in Montreal. That's fun. You want to go to Argos? You know, some good clubs and, you know, it's fun. Fun in Toronto. You want to go to Vancouver? BC Lions? Maybe. You think you want to join the back-to-back Grey Cup champs, the favorites, again? Win a championship? Get a ring? Have your name talked about during Grey Cup week and in the championship game? And then go back down to the NFL with maybe a few more scouts' eyes on you? I think Winnipeg is in a very, very attractive spot right now to acquire talent like that. Yeah, most definitely. And like you said, I mean, it's, uh, you know, going to a winning team you, know, you, you want to win like even players in the past. I mean, there's countless examples of this, but uh, where, you know, you turn down maybe higher levels of money to go to, you know, a team that might be more successful or, you know, having that chemistry there. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that like, we'll certainly pay attention to as we get more into the season. I'm not blaming Sergio Castillo for, for going and getting the big paycheck with the Edmonton Elks. I'm not, you got to support for your family, especially in pro football your career could be over like that, right? You got to make money while you can. So for Sergio Castillo, sign the two-year deal, get paid, good for you. You know, he's got his championship. He's bounced around the CFL for a long time. He was with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers twice now. You know, everyone forgets when he was on the practice roster years ago here in Winnipeg. Um, I'll never blame a guy for trying to take care of his family. Unlike the National Hockey League, you sign a contract, you're guaranteed to get every penny of the money in that contract. In pro football, and especially in the CFL, you know, they might change it in the coming years a little bit. But guys like kickers, guys that are, are you know, uh, special teamers or reserves or guys that aren't the, the breakout stars in this league, make the money while you can um, because it might be the best money they ever make in their life. You know, not, not all of these guys are, are going to, you know, become accountants or, um, you know, uh, sell insurance or, or be a successful salesperson or, or, or be a lawyer or whatever. They're, they might not get that big paycheck. So if you're making six figures now, do it, save that money and, and take care of your family for years to come. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like, you know, this is bang on here. Transcona Polly. Thanks for joining us, uh, Polly. Castillo should have won MVP. I was in the press box at Grey Cup 108. There was conversation about that. Uh, a Grey Cup rematch, the MOP in the game, you know, uh, it was tough. I, I would say that debate for MOP wasn't as heated as the debate for most outstanding Canadian in the Grey Cup 
which was won by Nick Dembski. That cut for the touchdown uh, got the job done. But uh, Drew Wolitarski was getting some conversation. He was targeted a lot, made some clutch catches, picked up some first downs for Winnipeg, especially in the fourth quarter, Mike. Uh, I think he even had a catch in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he, he was very good. It could have gone to either of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> that just shows that the talent that uh, the Bombers have in terms of their Canadian players and their Canadian athletes. And shout out to the scouting department. I mean, Kyle Walters and the rest of the crew, they, they do such a – a great job yeah. of being able to bring in, uh, you know, playmakers that are Canadian uh, and add uh, add to the depth in that regard. So, uh, right for sure. Well, and 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 they kept the you know the the talent acquisition in uh, um, Ted Gavaya and uh, Danny McManus. Like the Bob, the Blue Bombers kept two of their biggest free agents in those two guys. Not getting a job as a GM or an assistant GM or or some sort of promotion with another team. They interviewed with. Uh, you know, Gavaya interviewed, I believe. I think Danny Danny McManus did too. I know Ted Gavaya did. Um, but they're back in Winnipeg and, and bolstering the roster. There's Drew Brown, right? There's Donald Rutledge. They found Demirio Houston last year from the practice roster. And, and, and you know, now he's uh, the Blue Bombers, probably top one, top two cover men uh, right now. I love this comment from Adam Drayward, who's a uh, drawer who's watching uh, live on YouTube. Okay, yeah, add up all that money and go get Andrew Harris. Okay, thanks, bye. (laughs) (laughs) People are missing 33 here in Winnipeg, especially when he runs for, you know, over 100 like he did against Winnipeg last week. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's Andrew did so much for the community and things like that. Um, And, you know, he's uh, a a standout on the field for sure. Uh, But I just, my mind keeps going back to what I saw in Toronto last week. And I don't know if there's anything to... To you know, pick up on there, but my mind just goes back to the the, the arguments on the sideline there and, and all that stuff going on and 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 and, and all those other things. So I, I, there's you know, it's a question to me in terms of like you know character and things like that. Um, but I you know, I, I good for him that he's still been able to to play at the level he's able to play at. And uh, having personally worked with him in the past, I've seen his work ethic. So um, good for him in that regard. But you know, we've got good backs. So and they showed that yep. tonight. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think they need an upgrade as far as talent uh, at running back. Uh, some people mentioning Jonathan Kongbo potentially coming back, uh, signed with San Francisco a couple years ago, got injured, released, came back to Canada for a second stint, um, wins the Grey Cup, uh, and now he's signed with the Denver Broncos. That would be a big ad. Uh, Adam mentioning uh, maybe Desjardins comes back. I'm a little bit more skeptical on Drew Desjardins because if the New England Patriots grab a guy from the CFL, I have no doubt that if they move on from Drew Desjardins, like if New England releases him, there's going to be like a dozen teams saying, well, we'll take a look. Because if the Patriots like you, that happens all the time. That happens. That's happened with so many different players at different positions, receivers, uh, quarterbacks, linemen. If, if, if the New England Patriots find you, and they decide to move on from you, like other teams are right there waiting for, for, you know, I don't want to say sloppy seconds, but like, you know, second, second helping of, of that player that, that happens all the time. Hey, I hate to uh, start a, you know, uh, throw some fuel on the bonfire here, Mike, but maybe it's Chris Trevler. Yeah. I mean, oh, here it is. <laughs> here it is. Somebody, somebody mentioning Chris Trevler right there in the chat. Yeah. I mean, he's available, right? So I, and with what's going on quarterback wise, it's, it's, there's an option there. He's, he's beloved. One of the most beloved players uh, to struggle on the pads for Legend, sure for the right? Bombers. 
So if <laughs> you're definitely gonna, you're not gonna hear any arguments from the fans. I think if Strebler is brought back into the fold for sure. Yeah. Well, a lot of people in the chat mentioning uh, Jonathan Congo could start for the Denver Broncos this year. Uh, they, they have had a lot of turnover uh, when it comes to their D linemen, their outside linebackers. I think he is a great uh, physical makeup, Mike. I think you would agree, Jonathan Congo, to play outside linebacker like a rush end um, in uh, you know a three-four system uh, in the National Football League. And, and I pull for all those guys, right? Like talk about making money while you can. If you get an opportunity to play in the NFL. Man, go get it done. Go stick around. Learn to long snap. You know, the more you can do, don't lose your job, right? Uh, I think, um, you know, uh, that opportunity to make, you know, $510,000 if you spend the whole season on the practice roster or sign a, a league minimum contract of, you know, a half million, man, that, that that's life-changing money. That can, like, pay off a mortgage. That can put a kid through school, put a couple kids through school, Hopefully, um, you know, that, that, that's just an awesome thing. And I think, uh, you know, people don't realize how, how tough it is being a professional football player, even being a coach or a scout. Uh, it's a lot of travel. It's tough on your family um, and uh, it can end in the blink of an eye. So uh, make make that money while you can. The Blue Bombers are making money while they can. Huge win tonight, 43-22. Um, I don't know if I mentioned my Westwood wide to the right, Mike. You did not. Did I? Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll go off the board and I'll say that entire fiasco with uh, Garrett Marino and the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders. Oh, um, the more I see, the more disgusted I am. The hit was gross. And take that word for every meaning you've ever heard it used. That hit was gross. The celebration after was disgusting. And shout out and, you know, like huge kudos to everybody who called it as it was like on the TSN broadcast, on the radio broadcasts, uh, you know, uh, Nate Bahar, Canadian receiver uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks, extremely outspoken uh, after the game. Um, yeah. And th this has fired up the chat. Obviously, we, you knew we were going to get to uh, Garrett Marino at some point. Um, but, you know, John Hodge, a three down nation, uh, tweeted out a video of a couple plays before that play and Garrett Marino was just diving at everybody's legs. He was diving at Dino Boyd's legs. Yeah. I know Dino Boyd took a, a roughing penalty or whatever it was against Marino earlier in that game. And he was trying to get payback. I get it. It's retribution. It's revenge. It's, it's, you know, I'll get you on the next play. That's the way football is right, Mike, um, you know, play between the whistles and it is between the whistles, but that was just disgustingly dirty. Never been washed dirty. Um, and, you know, to see him make those plays multiple times in a game. He's a repeat offender. It happened last year as well. Uh, and then to celebrate the way you did. We can see clear as day, Garrett Marino does not get it. He does not understand that unspoken rule of football and that is yeah play to the echo of the whistle yes smack your opponent in the mouth yes be violent and physically imposing but don't be greasy man don't try to hurt somebody he wasn't trying to make a play the ball was like out if he was closer yeah you can lay a hit on the quarterback try to wrap him up wrap him around the hips wrap him around the waist whatever but he dove at his knees it was brutal that's my Westwood wide to the right because it was just absolutely egregious and awful. 
Uh, I sure hope we see supplemental discipline in excess of the undisclosed fine the CFL often does for, you know, late hits and high hits and, and that sort of thing, Mike. Um, it's undisclosed. It's usually half a game check. Garrett Marino needs more of a reprimand than that, in my opinion. I'm far from alone. Yeah, I mean, I think the community as a whole, the football community, the league would agree with that. And like John Hodge mentioned, and uh, also as many others have mentioned, he targeted Mizzoli too in the past uh, with a you know a hit down low, yep. and that's just there's no place for that that type of stuff. Uh, there really isn't. So uh, I'm with you 100 percent on that one. And at the end of the day, when you know, when all is said and done with Marino, whenever his career is finished, I, I don't think we're going to be talking about maybe any of the sacks he recorded or whatever his stats are. I think what people will talk about with him is the, the, how dirty he was as a player and, uh, yeah. you know, the stain he left in terms of, uh, you know, his overall, um, you know, his overall career in terms of that. Some people out there are calling for him to be cut. I'm not sure how you feel about that, Mike. I, I have a bit of an opinion on it. Um, do you, do you think the Rough Riders should cut him? Cause couldn't he just be signed by another team right away? And like, then what's the, what's the knock, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think they're going to cut him, but again, yeah, we're just, we're just going to have to wait and see on that one. Uh, <laughs> there have been, it's your, boy Bru- it's your boy Bruce hates Marino more than Rod. <laughs> That's a hilarious comment. I love that. Yeah. I mean, there there have been other, for sure, other dirty players or players that play on the edge in the league. I mean, I think a Simone Lawrence is a player that really plays on the edge or has played on the edge in, in the past. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, I think he'll stay with the Riders. Um, I think Craig Dickinson's going you know, to keep him around. But um, I don't think that he's really helped himself out in terms of his reputation amongst others. And I worry about, you know, a guy like that when you'll you, you – know, Teams know what type of player he is. I, I worry about the, the the ramifications and the effects, um, you know, uh, in terms of uh, fights or other things that might happen on the field or people's opinions that way. So um, in that regard, it's kind of a stain on the league. You don't want to see that type of stuff going on. Um, but to answer the question, I, I don't think he's going to get uh, released by the Riders. But we'll have to wait and see. What's your opinion? Well, and, and, and some even want to go farther and say he should be, like, kicked out of the league, right? the reality is what he did was egregious, was awful, was gross, was dirty, was wrong. And then the celebration and the rest just leaves you like with the worst taste in your mouth. And then Nate Bahar talking about him, you know, walking up to a bunch of red blacks players at the keg the night before the game and and saying a bunch of crap too. Then there's, you know, some conjecture out there saying, you know, maybe he said, uh, you know, some, off color remarks or, or something, you know, disgustingly disrespectful. Um, but unsure about that. Should he be kicked out of the league? Like this is this guy's job, right? Like I understand if you have a job and you do something egregious, you can be fired. Right. But he did like this, this wasn't like something on the street. This wasn't like a fight. Uh, or, or some, this was a football play. It was a awful football play and it shouldn't be in the game. I want to be clear on that, but he did it between the lines and between the whistles suspension. Sure. Fine. Absolutely. Supplemental discipline, but, but to take his job away and like boot him from the entire CFL, like he would never play football again. 
if it keeps happening, maybe. But you know, I think it's it. I think it's just a, maybe one step too far to say you can no longer work. You can no longer be a professional football player. That's just my opinion. I know people will disagree with that, but you know, like we were, like I was saying earlier, Mike. You know, you got to make your money as a football player while you can and make your living because it's it's a very unstable work environment or, or just unstable industry to work in, right? I don't know if there's a more unstable one than professional athlete, but. Uh, to take that job away, I, I think is just, it's just a little too far. I understand the outrage from fans though. I'm sure you do too, right? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Because again, he, it's not like this is the first time he's ever done something like this. And, uh, and especially, I mean, yeah, with Nate Bahar and, you know, it's gone viral kind of essentially with the stuff that Nate Bahar said about, uh, yeah. said about him uh, after the game and things like that. And if those remarks are true about like the, the racist comments or, or whatever things he did say, um, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely concerning. Like we, we don't, that, we, we don't, don't know, know, but it's concerning right. if there's allegations of it. Right. So yeah, we, again, we weren't, we don't know that for a fact that there's, there's just hearsay at this point kind of thing. Uh, yeah. but uh, you know, either way, like if you're disrupting people off the field in a personal manner, in any regard, this doesn't have to be just in this case in general. I mean, th- th- there's no place for that. Like play the game, do your thing. And I, I really think that other stuff really just kind of just, just, yeah, just get rid of it. it. It does not belong in the game. It doesn't belong yep. anywhere, quite frankly. So, yeah, you know, some people in the live chat mentioning, like, what if that was Zach Kolaris? My opinion wouldn't change because I consider every quarterback, every player in the league on the same playing field, like same, same level. I, I don't care who it is. It could be Bo, it could be uh, Evans, it could be VA, it could be Zach Kolaris. It could be Joe Mancuso, the Blue Bombers third stringer. It doesn't matter. You know, every player is important. Every player deserves, um, you know, to be treated properly. Um, And no, that hit was not treating Jeremiah Masoli properly. But uh, I, I just think, you know, kicking a guy out of the league for a play that happened on the field between the lines, I, I just don't like the, I don't like that slope. That, that's you know i think it's a little slippery there yeah um yeah you know live chat's been great tonight you know thanks to everybody out there uh maybe we'll wrap it up mike it was a bit of an earlier night I, i'm do you like these west coast games it was like four o'clock vancouver time and then six o'clock here in winnipeg normally these are like 9 p.m starts in winnipeg and we're rocking post game until 1 30 in the morning yeah, I do. <laughs> I'll be honest. I definitely do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, more energy earlier on during the day and things like that for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of it uh, most definitely. And just uh, quickly, uh, a comment for me. I know obviously you know, we're talking about the bombers here, but I just want to give a quick shout out to, to to BC and just kind of the ownership and the way that they've kind of marketed the team this year. Uh, they've been doing a great job in that regard. Yeah. Uh, Nick Kowalski uh, helped out with the uh, with the uh, bonfire last year. He's a video guy. Good. They've been doing some great stuff in the video department and their media games. The Bombers do amazing work in that regard also. Absolutely top great uh, social media work. But it's great for the league when all teams are offering, uh, you know, uh, a great game day experience, um, you know, when their media game is on point, all these things. It, it helps grow the league more. You know, it helps create more fans outside of just the, the diehards and things like that. And, and at the end of the day, targets hopefully a younger audience too that, they, that can then grow up, uh, you know, and become diehard CFL fans like yourself and like me as well. So uh, shout out to them and shout out to all CFL teams that are, you know, busting their butts to make sure that this product is uh, gets as much exposure as possible. 
Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, BC needed that shot in the arm and they've got it with Amar Doman. So, uh, you know, kudos to them. And yeah, shout out uh, Nick Kowalski, Matt Baker and, and our good friends with the BC Lions. Uh, I joked with them on their podcast this week that I'm still waiting for a call from their general manager. I traded Nick to the BC Lions. Bonfire <laughs> Sports was supposed to receive cash considerations and future considerations it was significant package for a young blue chipper like Nick Kowalski that has a proven track record. And I haven't heard back. I'm a little bit perturbed. I'm a little bit turned off by that. Uh, so not feeling too good. I'm still waiting for that phone call from the BC Lions to get that straightened out. But wishing Nick, uh, of course, the best um, in Vancouver. He's having a blast out there and doing doing awesome work. We do have to mention uh, or pick our happy honker award. This is a throwback to the old broadcasts on CGOB and uh um, one that uh, Zach Schnitzer here on Bonfire Sports loves to hand out. Um, kind of the, uh, the the fun moment or the thing that that made you smile uh, during this football game. Do you got a happy honker, Mike? Yeah, I, I just think for me, uh, the happy honker for me is going to be Greg McRae. I mean, I talked about him a lot on this broadcast. And nice. you know, just, just his ability to fill in. Obviously, again, he's not Nick Dembski, uh, but he filled his role well, um, you know, his, his all-purpose yardage kind of speaks for that. And, and yeah, he filled the spot on that offense and created more versatility for them. And I just think with, you know, the way that he's worked, uh, the efforts that he's put in, uh, you know, being able to make the roster and all that kind of stuff and, and being able to fill in the way that he had, this, he did this week for Nick Dembski. Uh, that would be mine, would be Greg McCray. Craig Smith, longtime personnel man in the Canadian Football League, is watching Bonfire After Dark live on Facebook. How you doing, Craig? Good to see you uh, joining us in the chat. And he's mentioning, yeah, the happy honker, Cactus Jack Wells, uh, back on CGOB uh, in the day, like way, way back in the day when Kenny Plain was doing uh, color commentary and uh, uh, analysis as well. Um, yeah, that's a good happy honker, honker Mike. I, I like that one. I'm trying to think uh, of of just... You know, like it could be Johnny Augustine, like getting his RB1 opportunity and, and really making it happen tonight. Uh, I think that might be my happy honker uh, award. Having you on, like you've been killing it tonight, Mike, still. Uh, if, if you guys uh, don't follow Mike on Twitter, I'll put his uh, Twitter handle in the, um, well, what is it, Mike? What is your Twitter handle? <laughs> it's Mike, Mike still 94? It's Mike still 94. And um, yeah, again, just, just in closing, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a rookie to this. So I appreciate everyone's uh, patience in that regard, kind of filling in oh, for some dude. others that are on vacation and such like, like that. So uh, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, I just love football in the community. I, I work for football. Metal. I'm the sports info director for the Bisons. Uh, so I see yeah. a lot of these. CFL Congrats guys. on the new job, by the way. Oh, thanks very much. Congrats on the new that. job. Thank you. That means a lot. Uh, so yeah, some of those guys, I see them before they get to the CFL and all those youth sports guys work for the rifles, uh, work for the high school league, all these things. So just trying to grow the sport of football uh, in the community yeah. as a whole. So, um, and then also well, helping I've... you out as well as some photography for, for the, for bonfire. So for sure. Oh, we lost you. See, uh, you've yeah. been crushing it tonight, but your, your phone gets a minus one on the, on the, <laughs> the film yeah. grading post game film work. Uh, no, I kid, of course. Yeah, Mike, you've been killing it. You're going to be on the field uh, on uh, Friday night for Bonfire Sports in Winnipeg when the 4-0 and Calgary Peters are in town to take on the 5-0 and Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Like, heavyweight bout after heavyweight bout, the Blue Bombers have a chance to rest and recover coming back from Vancouver. They're probably going to be in better physical shape 
than they were going into this game in BC tonight. But if tonight in Vancouver was any indication, this Blue Bombers team is back to firing on all cylinders. Huge win tonight, 43-22. Mike Still, thank you for joining us. This was a lot of fun. We got to do it again, okay? Absolutely, DB. Thanks for having me on anytime. Really appreciate it. And thanks everyone for engaging in the chat and that you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah, everybody uh, in the live chat, you guys have been killing it. Numbers are off the charts. Do us a favor, get down below the video on YouTube and give us a thumbs up. Give us a subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. All that helps us continue to provide this uh, free content for you uh, here on Bonfire Sports. But uh, yeah, thanks again, everybody. Uh, heck of a fun night uh, for Blue Bombers fans out there. A monster win handing Nathan Rourke and the BC Lions their first loss on the season. Be sure to join us for Bonfire Midweek. Got another special guest on Tuesday night. We might have mentioned his name tonight, but I'll keep that one a surprise. Tuesday, 7.30, same time, same place as always. And then pregame coverage with Chris Walby, postgame as well uh, on Friday uh, here on Bonfire Sports. Thanks again, Mike. This was fun. Thank, thank you, DB. Take care. Appreciate you. Thanks, yeah, everybody. Appreciate you. Okay. Well, I, I, I just... You know, battling with these buttons. Here we go. <laughs> Here's your extra, everybody. Have a great night. <laughs>